Hi, ladies. Welcome back to Rich Little Broke Girls, the podcast and collective for aspiring housewives and CEOs. I'm your host and founder, Kimberly Indibizu, aka Slim Kim, and I'm freezing. I'm currently recording this intro from bed. It's so cold. I don't know when it got so cold, but whatever. I kind of sound a little sick, but I don't sound sick in the episode. However, I think I have a tendency of yelling at you guys. And I just realized that now. So for the next two episodes, I'll still be yelling at you, but moving forward, I'm going to stop. Anyway, this is a very niche solo episode. It's a compilation of random thoughts from coffee enemas to sporty and rich controversy to the beauty margin of era. Let's just jump right into it. Hi, ladies. It's 11 p.m. It's 11.05 p.m. on a Saturday night, and I am in my home, in my apartment, recording a podcast episode, which is crazy. I don't know when my life got so busy, but my nine-to-five job is quite demanding mentally, and I spend a lot of time working, um, and it's a proper nine-to-five job. It's really like a 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. job. So, you know, I really am trying to figure out what this balance between my new job and Rich Little Broke Girls looks like. In the past, it was a lot easier to manage both just because the nature of the work wasn't as demanding. Like, yes, I was working on a lot of high level projects and meeting a lot of people, but I think this job is a little bit more tedious. So it's 11.05 p.m. on a Saturday and I am recording a podcast episode, which is absolutely insane. Uh, Probably a year ago, I'd be out like taking shots and doing the damn thing on a Saturday night with my girls. Now, 2023, Fall Kim is inside doing nothing. And I'm also really trying not to drink. They say alcohol is the new cigarette. You know how back in the 90s, everybody was smoking all the time. Anywhere you went, there was a cigarette. Anywhere you go, there is alcohol. So much alcohol, exorbitant amounts of alcohol. And there's obviously an overconsumption of alcohol. And it makes me really nervous. No, I'm not an alcoholic. No, I don't have any alcoholics in my family. However, I don't want to drink all the time. And I felt like for a long time, I was drinking because it's what you do. I remember when I first moved out of my parents' home when I was 18, you know, to go off to college. I got my own apartment. Um, I had my sister's ID. So I would go and get wine and I would drink wine at home and I wanted to be a grown up. And for a long time, I had wine at the house and I would have a glass of wine. But I feel like now that Rich Little Broke Girls is pretty demanding. My nine to five is really demanding. I don't really have time to be hungover. I don't really have time to be drunk. It really is the hangover. I don't have time to be hungover. I need to be able to pop out of bed like a spring chicken, ready to go, ready to rumble, ready to rock and roll. Being hungover is not conducive to the levels of productivity that I need to be successful in my life. And so I'm really trying not to drink. 
And I don't know if it's now that I'm trying not to drink, I want to drink even more. Is it because I'm not drinking that I'm craving alcohol and I feel so nervous to have a glass of wine? I did drink last night because it was my friend's birthday and we we all went over to her home um, to celebrate her and it was in a social setting. And so, yes, I drank, but I have really been trying not to drink. Not only is alcohol the new cigarette and it's everywhere and we're all over consuming, but over the summer I was seeing someone and every single date we would drink. We just drank and we drank and we drank and we drank. And I remember, I mean, at this point I'd probably been on like 10 dates with the guy and I was hanging out with this other guy who I previously dated and now we're just really good friends. And he was asking me about this new guy. He's like, okay, so tell me a little bit about him. Who is he? What does he do? What's his religion? Like asking me very baseline questions about this guy. And I was like, dude, I don't remember. I I literally do not remember. I don't remember if he's Christian, if he's Jewish, if he's Muslim. I don't remember if he grew up in the city or outside of the city. Like there were so many car facts that I didn't know about this man. And it made me think, why are you drinking on dates when the whole goal is to get to know the person? And when you're drunk, you forget things and you're not actually getting to know them. Because yes, you are getting to know them, but you don't remember getting to know them. And yes, I'm asking the right questions. I'm so good at asking the right questions, but I legitimately did not remember anything that the guy told me. And my friend was like, I don't think you're really that into him. Anyway, I guess I ended up not really being that into him, regardless of what. I just felt like with dating, I should probably be sober. Um, So I've been trying sober dating, which is better. Honestly, I don't even really have time to date right now. My schedule is absolutely ridiculous. And I feel like every hour of the day is so demanding on my time and what I need to get done. So I don't really have that much time to date right now, unfortunately, um, because like I said, fall is the best time to fall in love. And I don't know, my calendar is looking like fall is the best time to grind it out, put your head down and work. Anyway, back to the fact that I'm not drinking. I feel like when you tell people you're not drinking, they look at you like you have a problem. I was at an event. I was on the stage moderating a conversation and I went over to go get some food and someone was like, oh my God, this drink, this cocktail is so good. You have to get one. And I look at him and I'm like, oh, I'm not drinking. And he looked at me like I was an alcoholic. And he was like, oh, you know, you really just need to be able to control how much you're drinking and starts offering me all of this unsolicited advice. I never said I had a problem. I said, I'm not drinking. And so now when someone offers you a drink or offers me a drink, I feel like the best way to answer that when you're not drinking so that people don't assume that you're an alcoholic or give you unsolicited advice and their opinions and just put this weird cloud over your head. I feel like the best way to answer, you just say, oh, I'm not drinking tonight or 
oh, I'm not drinking today. And that's fine. Leave it at that. But I was saying, oh, I'm not drinking. And I think that insinuates I have an issue. And even if you did have an issue with drinking, it's no one's place to now interrogate you because you told them that you're not drinking. I don't know. It's like when you say I'm not drinking, people assume something traumatic or out of control happened to you. When you're just saying like, I'm, I'm just not drinking. I think culturally we drink too much in New York. And when you say you're not drinking, people begin to offer advice and they're trying to manage your alcohol consumption as they literally down their glass like it's a glass of water. It's so twisted. Anyway, I'm not drinking right now. And I'm really trying not to drink. Um, because again, I just, I can't afford to be hungover. I woke up this morning a little hungover um, from last night. I don't really need to drink. I really don't need to drink. Also, moving forward, I'm definitely not going to be the person that is like, oh, when someone says they're not drinking, I'm just going to be like, oh, great. That's amazing. Good for you. And keep it pushing. Like, we don't need to talk about this. I don't need to know why you're not drinking, what caused you to stop drinking. I don't need to make it seem like you have a problem because chances are you don't. And even if you do, we don't need to get into it right now. But yeah, I just want to like clean up on that frontier a little bit. Okay. Have you guys ever heard the song Payday by Doja Cat? Where she's like, all this money on me, me. I don't mean a thing, thing. Anyway, I love that song. And it's been payday for me recently because I just re-released my Mary Filthy Rich t-shirts. They're the sickest tees ever. It says, be nice mind your business, marry filthy rich. And it's in the design of that sporty and rich tea, which we'll get into in a minute. They're white teas. It's red font. Um, I have had these teas for over a year and they've been behind my sofa. And my good sis, Alani Noel, aka What's Good on Instagram, she recently wore the t-shirt and she's a fashion icon, a fashion influencer. People kiss the ground that she stunts on because she is a style God. Um, she's actually been on the podcast. If you're an OG Rich Little Broke Girls fan, she was on the OG Rich Little Broke Girl. She was an OG Rich Little Broke Girl. Anywho, so she came on the podcast like over a year ago. I sent her the tea as a thank you. She wears it a year later. I mean, she's worn it in the past, but she wears it a year later, puts it on her Instagram. I mean, I got so many followers from that alone and so many requests to buy the t-shirt. And I was just like, okay, let me ask the people if they want the t-shirt. So I put on my Instagram, I'm like, should I bring these back? And I kid you not, I got like 200 responses and people were like, yes, 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 please, please bring it back, bring it back. So I decided to bring the Mary Filthy Rich tea back. And I did. And we've actually sold out of extra smalls and XL, but we still have small, medium, large, which is actually crazy because I thought we were going to sell out of small and medium before anything, but we sold out of extra small and extra large, which I don't know what that means, what the learnings are from that. Anyway, the teas are back. So if you go to richlittlebrokegirls.com, you can get the tea on there or you can buy it through my Instagram shop. But 
full circle, I have a story about the t-shirt because it is a knock on a sporty and rich design. If you don't know what sporty and rich is, you're living under a rock, Google it. It's basically a brand that's entire aesthetic is borrowed through quote unquote inspiration. I mean, through legitimate copying, like their logo is the New York Health and Racket Club logo. They've taken a lot of designs from the nineties from like IBM and Nike and Ralph Lauren and Tommy Hilfiger and recreated them essentially using the same fonts, but trying to give this very nineties clean wellness aesthetic. Um, Their entire fall 23 campaign is JFK Jr. and Carolyn and Bissette, they have like these iconic images of them strolling through Tribeca on a Sunday morning, um, these paparazzi images, and their entire fall campaign is a copy of that. Um, and I think what Emily Oberg has built is incredible because she's created essentially an elevated mood board. Anyway, she has all these designs that they've ripped from all these big brands and businesses and institutions. And now she does incredible collabs with Hotel Decap and with Sunset Tower, all these iconic household names. So obviously when someone has built a business on copying, you would assume that they get it, right? Like this is a podcast. I love that design. I'm going to rework it for my girls. Let me tell you what her tea says. Be nice, get lots of sleep, drink plenty of water. My t-shirt says, be nice, mind your business, marry filthy rich in the exact same font. I mean, it's meant to be a rip of sporting rich. That that was the whole point. I was never trying to make it seem like I came up with that t-shirt. This is a podcast and I'm not a competing fashion brand. So I think we understand where I was going. And also it's be nice, mind your business, marry filthy rich. Okay. Like it's a joke. Anyway, I brought the t-shirts back and you can shop them on my website or on my Instagram. But I remember when I first released the t-shirts, I got a DM from Emily Oberg, which I've never told anyone this. And I absolutely love her. Like I would love to have her on the podcast. She sent me a screenshot of someone posting the shirt and she goes, mind crediting us for the design question mark. Don't mind if you use it, but a credit would be appreciated exclamation point. And I didn't respond because like, I don't have a bad thing to say about her or the brand, but I mean like the entire brand is built off of this 90s wellness aesthetic. They rip designs from Nike and IBM and all of these household brands that are so identifiable. And so I just feel like because that's their business model, I don't think it gives the brand a lot of space to be upset when people do the exact same thing. What's understood doesn't need to be said that vibe. I felt like the entire t-shirt was an ode to Sporty and Rich. I mean, come on. There's not much room for interpretation there. You know exactly where I got that from. And that's what makes it fun and exciting because it's like, oh my God, that's so funny. It's a joke. So I never responded to that. I kind of wish that I did respond to that. Um, But I didn't really know what to say. And I just felt like the t-shirt alone was a credit. Like you've created something iconic and I've recreated it for my podcast listeners and they love it. And um, I just didn't really think, you know, I didn't really think anything of it, but I thought that was so funny. And I've never told anybody that ever, ever, ever. So you guys, all of you guys are the first to hear that story. But Emily, if you ever hear this bit, you should come on the podcast. I would love to have you on the podcast because I actually think we would get along quite nice 
Oh, also, we both worked at Kith. I worked at Kith. She worked at Kith. I think we would have a great Kiki. If anyone knows Emily, maybe I should email her and be like, I would love to have you on the podcast. I'm obsessed with what you've done. I'm selling a t-shirt that I knocked off from you. And I think we could have a good conversation, not about the t-shirt, but about her business and how she built it. And also how she's a woman doing it. And she gets so much shit for it. But men do it all the time. Men copy people all fucking time. They steal ideas all the time. Um, yeah, you guys should go buy the Mary Filthy Rich t-shirt because they are selling out. And I'm going to be honest with you. I have really low inventory. I think I have like three small t-shirts left, two large and like four medium. And I had a lot to begin with. So yeah, you should buy them before they get sold out. I also used to have that exact design on a tote bag. Um, so I think I'm going to bring it back on the tote bag, but Anyway, go get the t-shirt. I was like, I'm sitting on cash, so maybe I should resell them again. And I'm really happy that I did because you guys have been eating them up. And shout out to Emily for creating that incredible design because I got to recreate it for my girls and they love it. So shout out to you, babe. I wish I DM'd you back back then, but hey, it is what it is. Have you ladies noticed that everybody is dumb skinny? Everybody is skin and bone skinny. There are a lot of new members in the itty bitty skinny committee, and I'm not going to name names, but Hollywood is full of skinny women and men with extremely large heads, invisible waist, and abs. And these are not gym abs. These are not gym abs. These are skin abs. These are skin and bone abs. Everybody is so skinny, and I know the girlies are not in the gym. No matter how many photos they post in the gym, they are not losing the weight in the gym. Every single person in Hollywood is skin and bones thin, and it really got me thinking about Bella Swan. And I'm going to call it the pregnant Bella Swan era. Like, in the same way I couldn't take my eyes off of pregnant Bella Swan, I cannot take my eyes off of Hollywood. Do you remember that scene when Bella, with absolutely no fat attached to her bones or her flesh, was taking a shower and there's a scene, it's half a second of a scene, where we can see her skin and her bones getting into the shower. We see her whole bare, thin body and it's sickly and it's grim and it's dark and we're like oh my god the baby is gonna kill her that's how I feel when I look at some of these people on the internet it's like the thinnest arms the hollow cheeks pregnant Bella Swan everyone is in their pregnant Bella Swan era thanks to semaglutide, Ozempic, Manjaro, Wagavi, all of these things. Um, and you know, I'm thin. My Instagram name is Slim Kim and I do think I'm thin, but I have been on this health kick and I've been Googling nutritionist and how to get healthy. And I'm thinking of all of these holistic ways to be healthy when to be frank, I, 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 I would like to be thinner. I, I would like to be thinner. I would like to be thinner. Am I a candidate 
for Ozempic? Absolutely not. And the reason I know that is because I was calculating my BMI to find out if I was in fact overweight. And so I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I don't weigh myself. And the reason I don't weigh myself is because I think it's a toxic cycle. If you feel good, then it's fine. You don't need to know what the scale says. But I wanted to calculate my BMI just to know if I was overweight or underweight or normal weight. I was hoping I was underweight. Anyway, so I went to the little BMI calculator and it was like, insert your weight. And I'm like, oh girl, sweetie, honey, babe, I haven't weighed myself in since 2020, summer 2020. I have not weighed myself for three years. And now I need to go get the scale from the back of my closet, dust it off, put some batteries in that bitch, crank it up and step on it. And so I grab my glass scale that I've haven't used since 2020. And I tried to step on it and it was out of battery. So I ran across the street to get new batteries. I put them in, I stand on the scale and um, needless to say, I'm not overweight. I'm normal, but I'm closer to overweight than I am to underweight. And I'd rather just be in the middle of overweight and underweight. And I definitely weighed 10 pounds over what I thought that I weighed, what I thought my normal weight is. I was 10 or I think five pounds over what I normally, like in my brain, everyone has a weight in their brain. I think at any given time, I weigh this amount, period, full stop. I was five or 10 pounds over that. And I was like, oh my God, okay. So I'm not overweight. I'm like trying to think of how am I going to convince my primary care physician to prescribe me Ozempic. And I'm literally thinking, and I, 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 I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. But Kim, what about the ethics? Ozempic is for people with diabetes, which yes, it is a thousand percent. But let me tell you something. I can't stop some celebrity And not even just celebrity, because let me tell you something. My brother is on Ozempic, honey. We will get into that in a second. But I cannot stop people from paying doctors thousands of dollars to prescribe them a drug that is honestly meant for people with insurance to afford it, right? I can't stop people from finding loopholes to get the drug. The only people who can get the loophole are the people that don't need insurance to afford it. The only reason you need primary care physician to approve you for something like that is so that you can actually go get it. If you're getting it off the black market, then I don't really think it matters. And I don't really know how the girlies are getting it. I don't know how the girlies are getting it. All I'm saying is this, okay? While we can criticize capitalism, I am in no position to stop it. So if the girlies and the guys, okay, because remember Elon Musk, was on it. Um, But if people are paying their doctors to give them a drug, we can't stop capitalism from capitalizing. I'm sorry. We can't. We can criticize it all day, but I'm not in a position to stop it and I'm not going to try to stop it. But yeah, I think it's so, I think it's so interesting because everyone is so thin. Like no one is eating. And with this drug, they found a way to not know they're not eating, to starve 
and not feel it because that's what it's doing. They're not eating. It's not that they're working out. They're not eating. When you're on it, you're not eating. Like these people are super thin because they're not eating food and they don't know they're not eating because their body is lying to them and telling them that they're full. It's the craziest thing ever, honestly. I think it might be a miracle drug for some people, but I don't know. I guess BBLs are out. Honestly, I actually kind of feel for the curve model, the body inclusivity era moment that we had when it was all about inclusivity. We're going to put models of all sizes down the runway. We're going to hire full-figured models because I honestly think and I might get canceled for saying this, but I feel like modeling agencies are going to start feeding their curve models Ozempic and make them into sample sizes. Like I could so see that happening. Modeling agencies encouraging their curve models to get on the drug. And also I wonder because Ozempic is such a solid, quick fix in a way. I wonder what the pressure is on women like, I mean, I I don't even want to name names in terms of curve models, but is there a pressure for curve models to lose weight by way of Ozempic? Remember Rebel Wilson? She's as skinny as my pinky. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the industry reacts to this quote unquote miracle drug that makes you skinny and an industry that thrives off of women being ridiculously thin. If a lot of women that have made their name off of being full figured, body inclusive, you know, just comfortable in their skin, if they start slimming down, I don't know. I don't even think it's fair. I don't, I don't even think that's a fair assessment, you know, but like what would it mean for if someone like a Lizzo got an Ozempic and lost a lot of weight when her entire brand is all about loving the body and the skin that you're in and embracing who you are? And she calls herself a fat girl. Those are the words that she uses to describe herself. And so I, I, I really, really wonder what is going to happen in Hollywood to our magazine covers, to these full figured goddesses that I am so enamored by. I think they're so incredibly beautiful. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the modeling world with this drug. I don't know. Now I'm just thinking out loud. But anyway, everybody is so damn thin, skin and bones thin. I feel like I could snap their arm off. Everyone is in their pregnant Bella era. And not going to lie, it's scaring me a little bit. But whatever, I guess, you know, it is what it is. I have this theory and it's called the beauty margin of era. And essentially, we're all prettier than we think we are. And the basis of this theory is that we are so immensely critical of ourselves that we will never be able to bask 
in our own individual glory. And I really like to think about this theory when I'm getting ready to go out. And I just feel like something is a little bit off because I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. You think maybe your hair doesn't look good or your outfit sucks or, oh my God, my makeup looks off. My brows aren't great. My arms look big. My thighs are like, we can be so self critical. And I truly believe that there is a beauty margin of error, right? And that we always have to account for the fact that you will always be more critical of yourself than anyone will be critical of you. And no matter how much you feel like things are off or you look off, to the naked eye, you look great. You look amazing. You look like a fucking rocket. I don't know. I think it's really important to account for that margin of error because we're always going to be really hard on ourselves and we're always going to look at our flaws. Honestly, no one is looking at you with as much critique as you're looking at yourself. So it's always nice to give ourselves a little grace, um, even if you have to be delusional, honestly. When I'm feeling shitty, I always think to myself, you look so much better than you think you look. So just go out there like you're a rocket because you are, you are a rocket. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I wanted to share that with you guys, but let me know what you think. You ladies are going to judge me so hard after listening to this bit, but I cannot unlearn this. So you cannot unlearn this. I want you to come on the journey with me. So the other night, me and my producer Amira were just, I don't know, doing like a deep dive on wellness and what the girls are doing and what's new and what's hot and, you know, what's not and what's weird. And so we ended up on the Goop website. And if you're not familiar with Goop, it's Gwyneth Paltrow's um, wellness haven. It's her wellness corner of the internet. They do all these really weird wellness tricks. They advise all these really weird wellness treatments and tactics and, you know, shove rocks up your vagina or coffee up your ass or take poop pills and so on and so forth. So we found this article and it was kind of all of these different, I think it was called like Bum Voyage and it was actually like a deleted article that they had pulled from the website, but we were doing crazy research because we wanted to know why it was pulled from the website. So we stumbled upon a treatment that a lot of people are doing. It's called a fecal transplant. And essentially what you're doing is you're taking healthy poop from a donor and you are introducing that poop into your GI tract via, there's many different ways. One of the ways that people are doing it is through a poop pill. So they will consolidate the healthy poop into a tiny little pill and then you will um, take that pill and then it will help you, especially if you have like colitis, which is like a swollen colon or you have IBS, or you have like different gut issues, it really helps with that. And it has been known to save lives. I think one thing that was really interesting about the fecal transplant is that you can make $13,000 a year donating your poop. However, I did read that someone died after getting a fecal transplant because um, the actual feces that they introduced into their GI tract had an infectious bacteria and they died. And um, I don't know if they sued the company or not. I know I should know that. I don't want to spread any misinformation, but for sure somebody died because they got a bad 
poop transplant. And so we end up on this very weird rabbit hole of different things that people are doing in their bum. And I stumbled upon this treatment called the coffee enema. And if you're not familiar with enemas, essentially an enema cleanses out your entire bowel system, right? So you're putting liquids, typically it's like saline or warm water up your bum, and it's just going to promote a bowel cleanse or a detox. And I don't know if you have gay friends, sometimes they'll do an enema before playing up there because it just cleans them right out. So a lot of people believe that our colon is like a toilet that just collects all of this bacteria and periodically we need to flush it and we need to clean it out. And so they'll do enemas for that exact purpose. Um, Then there's obviously people that are doing enemas because they like to, you know, they like to get it going on uptown or downtown rather uptown, downtown, but uptown, if you know what I mean, little butt play. Um, So some people use enemas for that, but some people use enemas because they truly believe in this term and it's called auto intoxication. It's a term that basically means you're slowly being poisoned by the accumulation of toxins in your intestines. Obviously, all of this stuff is very extreme, but it's really interesting to know what people are following and what people believe, especially when it comes to this broad wellness journey and this broad um, wellness space. Everyone has different beliefs. And so I end up watching a video. It's a 30-minute video by a woman named Biohacking Bombshell. And the video is titled How to Do a Coffee Enema because I could not for the life of me understand why somebody would put coffee up their bum. I totally get the saline stuff. I totally get the warm water. Like you're just trying to flush it out. But coffee, you're going to put coffee inside of you. Like that sounds really dangerous. And if we're talking about things like colitis and IBS and the swollen colon and introduce infectious bacteria into your colon that would require you to get a fecal transplant or to introduce healthy poop into your GI tract because you fucked it up. I would absolutely think that a coffee enema would do just that and just completely mess you up. I don't know. I guess they use coffee because they say that it removes all the sludge and all the toxins a lot faster and it speeds up the detox process. Is any of this scientifically proven? It's not. I can confirm it's not scientifically proven, but I want to walk you through what I learned from this video by Biohacking Bombshell. And let me just paint you the picture of Mrs. Biohacking Bombshell. So she's a blonde white woman from the Midwest. Um, And I wouldn't necessarily take biohacking advice from her just from the looks of it. And this is not me trying to be mean. I'm just painting you a very accurate picture of what this woman looks like. So she has blonde, bleach blonde, stringy hair. I would assume someone that was really into wellness would be so anti-bleach and dyes. However, bleach blonde, stringy hair. You know, when you wear mascara and you don't wipe it off before you go to bed and then you wake up and you have like all the residual mascara on your bottom lash line and it just looks like a lot of eyeliner. It just looks really messy and dirty. That's kind of her look. It's giving Avril Lavigne. He was a boy. She was a girl. Can I make it any more obvious? Paramore, that era. It's giving that vibe, that rocker, rock and roll vibe. And it was a really entertaining video because 
I mean, she walks you through step-by-step how to do a coffee enema. And like I said, I was doing a full deep dive on goop and um, all the weird treatments that they suggest. And they were talking about coffee enemas and they were talking about fecal transplants. Um, So I was just like, okay, I know what a fecal transplant is. What the hell is a coffee enema? And this woman spent 30 minutes. She probably spent two hours actually producing the video, but she spent 30 minutes explaining what a coffee enema is. And if you don't know what an enema is, I kind of explained why people get enemas, right? They're trying to clear out their bowel system. They're trying to promote a bowel movement. They're trying to just detox completely. So an enema is basically a silicone bag that's going to contain whatever liquid it is that you're going to be flushing into your rectum. And it's attached to a very long hose, which is attached to a nozzle that you're going to lubricate and you're going to stick inside of your bum. Um, And so... This biohacking bombshell is walking me through this process of the coffee enema, and she's using 100% distilled toxin-free water. She's French pressing the coffee. She's mixing it all together. There's a very specific type of bean coffee that she's using. It's a light roast, and it has to be very specifically French pressed because this has to be the most toxin-free coffee that you're going to put inside of your body to supercharge your detox process. Um, And so she has this like coffee concoction and now she's adding all these additives and these vitamins and she's adding molasses so that she can thicken the solution so that it'll better retain inside of her bum. And it's just like so mind boggling. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh my God, where the hell is she going to do this enema? Like, does she do it in the bathtub? Does she do it in the bathroom? Is she doing it in her bedroom? And all I can think about is what happens if it all goes wrong? Anyway, so basically what they do, they put all the solution, in this case, it's coffee into that silicone bag and an enema works by using gravity. So you're going to stick the saline bag high in your bathroom. She stuck it on her shower rod. If you have one of those door hangers, you would stick it on there. Anyway, she sticks the saline bag up super high. Then she has the hose running, obviously down to the ground. You stick the nozzle six inches inside of you. You release the clasp and gravity forces all of the liquid from inside the silicone bag up your rectum and this biohacking bombshell is like, you know, you just release the clasp and it's just all going to get right inside of you. She's like, you know, I really try to retain it for about 15 to 20 minutes and I'll do, you know, half of the coffee this time and then I'll go in and I'll do another one and it's really just going to, it's just going to detoxify me. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, how do you get it out of you? Like, what is that whole process? Like, do you keep it inside of you and you run to the bathroom or do you run to the toilet? After she's held this coffee enema inside of her for 15 to 20 minutes, she's like, you're gonna wanna leave the nozzle inside of you and you're gonna wanna rush to the toilet. (laughs) So I can just imagine this woman like waddling to the toilet with something stuck up her bum I could not unlearn the happenings of that video. So I wanted to make sure that you guys were as traumatized as I am. Um, But it really sounds like if you go wrong and you use like, I don't know, rotten coffee or the wrong type of water, you could introduce an infectious bacteria into your GI tract or your colon and then have issues. I don't know. I'm just like not in the space that I'm going to like play with my insides like that. Um, I definitely would get an enema, but I would get, I'd get a professional enema. I would go somewhere and get an enema. I think they are good for detox, um, but I personally am not putting 
anything other than water inside of me. Um, definitely not putting coffee inside of me, but hey, that's what some of the girlies are doing. And it's very goopish. All these weird poop rituals. It's it's very goopish. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening to Rich Little Broke Girls podcast. I will say after filming this episode, I do feel like I exposed a new level of my nerdy personality. You know, the one in which I'm not afraid to talk about the inner workings of the body and bodily fluids and all the weird niche things that I find on the internet. Um, I hope I didn't scare you away. And if I didn't scare you away, please join the Rich Little Broke Girls Collective that's my oven that just went off. I'm currently toasting bread in the oven. I'm really obsessed, guys, with toast and peanut butter and a little bit of honey and bananas. I'm out of bananas now, so I can't cut up any bananas and put it on top, but I am so obsessed with that little meal. Anyway, back to what I was saying. If I didn't scare you away, please join the Rich Little Broke Girls Collective. We host events globally, and I'm dying to know what city you want us to pop into next. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. If you didn't like this episode, share it with your friends. And if you really like this episode, share it with your friends. For all those things, subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It really helps the girls discover our show. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Rich Little Broke Girls and submit your juiciest confessions and questions at richlittlebrokegirls.com backslash confess. I'll be back next week to answer them live on the podcast. Until then, I'll see you all so soon.